You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad, and it's been a little over two years ago since I had an opportunity to have a chat with Emma Langford. And Emma has achieved an awful lot in those two years, and uh, the last six months have been particularly hard, not just for uh, the music industry, for Emma and everybody in the gig industry. Uh, so I thought it would be a great chance to, to catch up and um, find out how things have been over the 18 months before COVID, and in the six months since COVID. Emma, thanks a million for taking the time to come along. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, it's two years, and I said it's been an eventful two years for you. Mm, it has, yeah. It's flown by. It's weird because I'm trying to put the time that, you know, lockdown time into perspective as well as the past two years, because the last six months have felt like a lifetime in their own right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been non-stop. And, uh, and that's a great thing. I'm delighted. And you got the opportunity in that period to perform um, a Dolores O'Riordan mm. tribute. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm lucky in a lot of ways to, to be a Limerick woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I went, I went to the same school as Dolores and would have a lot of mutual contact with her at this stage, I suppose. So, through a few different channels, I wound up being called upon to do a few different tributes to her, her work and her life, which has been gorgeous. It, it's a bit, it, you know, I'm always worried that I um, uh, give the impression of being opportunistic or, or trying to, to somehow step into her shoes, which was never the intention. Who could possibly, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's been a privilege to be in a position to do anything in her honour. And I know recently I was listening to some of the lyrics of her compositions, and they're such powerful lyrics that mm-hmm. she, she created. Yeah, she drew on a lot in her lyrics. It's really interesting to look at because, you know, she's a rock star, um, a global rock star, but her lyrics uh, draw a lot on just like her personal, same as any kind of confessional songwriter, on her own personal life and her own demons, and she draws a lot on her faith as well, or, and, and that kind of thing in her lyrics, which is. It's interesting to see someone who has such an, an iconic kind of a status um, be so true to themselves in their lyrics. It's beautiful. Do you find that inspirational for you? Um, yeah, I think it was uh, part of the inspiration for me in what Dolores said was um, how she sang in her own accent. I mean, there's sometimes she deviated from that. You can hear that she goes into a slightly different um, kind of accent, but it was always very Irish. Um, and whatever was inspiring her, influencing her at the time, you could still hear her Irish accent shine through, which was gorgeous. Lyrically, um, I would say, yeah, in the past couple of years, a lot of the stuff I've written would have been somewhat influenced by her work and by the work of the Cranberries, which I never never envisaged being um, sort of an influence for me. But we don't get to we don't get to pick where our muses come from. Yeah, and I'm thinking more in terms as well, though, as you say that she was writing from d- digging into herself and having the um, ability to put that into words and share some of the vulnerabilities. Mm. In that sense, would something like that give you strength also to be take the risk and look into yourself and share some of your own vulnerabilities? Yeah, I would say so. I suppose, I mean, my early influences um, would have been quite different to that. Um, I, I didn't have too many sort of confessional songwriters um, other than maybe the likes of Laura Marling or, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, a, a lot of my kind of influences would be more musical. So then hearing how um, vulnerable 
Dolores's willing to be in her in her songs definitely had an impact on me and remind it, I think we need to be reminded sometimes to to dig deep and to find um, to write what we know and to share that because sometimes you know the most universal stories can be the most personal ones so mm-hmm. hearing her do that was was definitely um, yeah it had a big impact. So then before COVID hit you say you were on a busy schedule things were going well you were getting a lot of gigs you were getting um, a lot of exposure and it was starting to come together. Mm. Um, where, where, how far afield had you managed to get? Um, I was lining stuff. I mean, I had international tours lined up um, in in Germany and the UK. I was I was looking to the US. The plan was to head um, to head beyond Europe. I visited the US last year and played Milwaukee, so that was my first real sort of taste of the of the music scene there. And um, so the goal was to get back and to even go a bit further afield again. I've got a distributor in Korea now, so you know maybe someday I'll get I'll get over there. But I haven't put any um, concrete plans in place for that. Um, beyond that, I suppose there was a lot of TV opportunities and uh, yeah, just some really exciting stuff in the pipeline. And this, I suppose the worst part at the moment is it's hard to know when or if those opportunities will come up again. It's the precarious nature of this business. Um, if someone else comes along that's more interesting than you or you know, is more current or releasing something closer to the date that something is happening, realistically they're just going to get the booking. So um, when the boat sails, it sails. And that's, that's the awful thing at the moment. The, the boat is out in the middle of the water and none of us can reach it. So we don't know. We don't know who's going to be on it. Uh, and I know we're in an ever-changing situation on both sides of the Atlantic. A friend of mine mentioned, uh, I was chatting with him this morning, and he said he had got four gigs on Monday and they were cancelled on Tuesday uh, mm. because of the change in Ireland on Tuesday. And uh, just how quick things can turn. And that oh, was what happened back in March. So when COVID hit and when it, things started to shut down, had you, had you a full calendar at that stage? Yeah, I did. Um, and, it, you know, it, it refills with different stuff all the time. And uh, last week I put out a tweet saying, you know, it's amazing. I managed to just book a small Irish tour in the space of an hour. And then on Tuesday, Ireland shut down again. Yeah. <laughs> and these new regulations came out suggesting that maybe we wouldn't be able to put on any live shows for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know if that's turned around again. We still don't have clear guidelines on that. But, yeah, I mean, in March, I was due to take off for a month with my band and, and tour the album. And in the process of any tour, you kind of are putting together the next step as you go. Um, and you're, you know, you're sharing content. You're putting videos out and photos out of your of your adventures and your packed rooms and your reviews, and that builds interest. And you you get a further tour out of that elsewhere. You know, that's just the way it works. Right. So um, if you're not doing A, you can't get B. Uh, so trying to, I'm kind of accumulating loads of A's all over the place at the moment and trying to piece some kind of a roadmap together. Um, but as as the goalposts keep changing, it's virtually impossible to really progress. So just trying to stay sane and do our best is all we can do. I noticed you did manage an outdoor gig in the last few days uh, mm, where everybody yeah. was socially distanced. And it looked like a, an interesting venue and the mm. weather seemed to hold for you. 
Yeah, that was beautiful, actually. And, and really, timing was of the essence with that. We had booked back, I think, early this year, maybe late last year, we booked that show. And it was meant to be a two-day residency, working with dancers, collaboration, all this kind of stuff. Um, and as the country shut down, that got knocked off the table. But the bookers still wanted to do something. So they kind of kept it as a provisional booking. We'll just do a, sh- a very short, socially distanced show. You'll come up, you'll go down the same night, and that'll be it. So thankfully, that happened within that very small window in the country when things seemed somewhat certain. Um, or <laughs> a little less precarious than usual. And uh, so yeah, it was lovely. It was very safe, which was great because I'm someone who I'm very, very cautious and I'm super aware that at any point I could touch a doorknob and pick up something and be carrying it asymptomatically. So I'm incredibly cautious. Um, and when I go into social situations where I feel like the organisers aren't um, adhering to the regulations, it, it just makes me very uncomfortable. So I was really glad that uh, everything was really carefully done. Every glass of water, every vase that was or jug that was put in front of us was covered in cling film. We were handed hand sanitizer. You know, they went above and beyond to make sure that everyone was comfortable and safe. So the gig itself was gorgeous. Then it was like a. I suppose it kind of felt like a festival, those kind of woodland stages mm-hmm. out in the middle of the forest, um, people sitting around in their raincoats and, and with their own kind of bring-your-own kind of wine and beer and stuff. And oh yeah, It was really, it was a gorgeous experience, and it was my first time since February being in the same place as my bandmates. So right. myself, my drummer, and my cellist met each other for the first time since February that day. We ran through our half-hour set and just made sure that we were all on the same page and we hadn't forgotten the music and uh, and then we went for it that evening and it was it was beautiful it was a really magical ephemeral experience so I was delighted sometimes an event like that can <coughs> help restore a balance but it can sometimes also cause an unbalance because you're pulled, I mean that because the lockdown was there and here you get this oasis and next mm. thing you're locked down again. <laughs> yeah. That, that it was kind of, you saw this little piece of light at the end of the tunnel and suddenly the light was turned off again. So on the one hand, the piece of light can be tremendously joyous and reassuring and then that it's turned off can be devastating. So Yeah, a reminder of what we were all missing for sure. Yeah. But I suppose, I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like getting out into the sun and getting your vitamin D and then it kind of, it does sort of top you up for a little while and keeps you going and reminds you of what you're actually fighting for a little bit as well you know that right. just that reminder of how special it is to be on a stage in front of a live audience and if we all just kind of stick together and, and keep going we'll, we'll get back to it again mm-hmm. um, but it's easy I mean I suppose we've been away from live audiences and, and away from the experience of it for so long I was on the verge of forgetting how special it was to actually have that live response um even if you're doing a Zoom concert and people are able to, you know, put their audio on and react, you're still getting a lag. It's still not exactly the same. You're, mm-hmm. you're not sharing the same um, psychoacoustics. You're not in the same space. Um, so there is there is a, a legitimate, the closest thing to magic imaginable in 
actually performing live to an audience. So when you mentioned the Zoom concert, you have uh, done some online performances over the last six months. How did you find that experience? It's been nice. Um, it's been a really nice way to connect with people and to build a sense of community and to talk and, and share kind of how we're all doing and that kind of thing. Um, I think, I mean, it, it kind of went beyond really the music um, for me and for everyone. It was more about this weekly ritual of getting together and you know the same people would turn up in the comments and have their little conversations and jokes in the comment section and um, for me it was about as well learning new skills and providing as, as high quality a performance as possible to the audience so yeah it's been it's been interesting and educational but um, it, it does wear thin even I mean for everyone the expectation to turn up can be a bit much mm-hmm. and um, it takes a lot of work to get set up, especially because I'm not I'm not living in my own place at the moment. I'm at home with my parents, um, so having having to set up a new every week and make a sound check and and get the guests because I, I would have three guests let's say every week as well come mm-hmm. in and do a song and have a chat, uh, which is brilliant fun and really gorgeous and a nice way to connect with people. But it is a lot of work and for not a whole lot of payoff. Everyone was very generous and very kind, and there was a tip jar and everything. But my goal was to raise money for charities, and I paid my guests. And after that, it was all done. Yeah, not a whole, not a, a very big payoff for it. So <laughs> a lot of work for not much. But uh, still, over the course of ten weeks, the closest thing I could have kind of had to being among people, I suppose, which was gorgeous in its own right. And you mentioned payoff, and and that does raise the whole thing that um, the gig industry has probably been more affected than any other sector of the economy in the ability to uh, earn money and while you're now at home with your mum and dad um, it probably has relieved a certain amount of stress but for many of the artists that are out there uh, they're really struggling Yeah, it's a nightmare and especially because they're cutting back on the COVID relief payments for artists and there's been a lot of you know, I think the biggest issue hasn't so much been around uh, there's a big issue obviously around how how much funding is going into supporting people but a, a bigger issue is the, the mental health um, sort of toll mm-hmm. that a lot of the uncertainty has taken and the, 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 the vagueness of language being used the sense that the arts and the creative sectors are kind of an afterthought at all times mm-hmm. for our government, um, even in, in the in the sense that they're not they're not clearly answering questions. We have lobbying groups now, very very good lobbying groups. The National Campaign for the Arts have been a huge support in bridging the gap between government and the jargon they use and the wider community, which is brilliant. But um, the most recent announcement around what spaces could open and what the capacity in those spaces could be. In no, at no point in that announcement did they mention music venues. They mentioned mm-hmm. theatres, art galleries, cinemas, museums, but they don't specifically mention music venues. And so this sense that the small independent um, bookers and venues and, and artists are, are just sort of... Um, and, and realistically, it's that, you know, the middle of the road um, size and capacity people and venues, they're what keep the the community alive, the, the creative industry alive in Ireland in a lot of ways. And the fact that they're kind of, we're being overlooked in a, in a lot of ways is um, really frustrating. And I think 
that's that's taking as much of a toll as the the financial shortfall is on people. I can really see it in in a lot of my friends. Um, just this uncertainty is is driving them mad. And you're going to see people going into different work and seeking out different careers because at the end of the day, all anyone wants is certainty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't have it. So. And <coughs> you um, mentioned creativity. Uh, creativity is always inspired by um, what might be different situations or a different perspective on a situation. Is your creativity still uh, being fed at the moment? Or are you finding that <coughs> creativity is a bigger challenge because of the bigger issues? Um, I've had a very mixed experience. Um, I'm very inspired by travel and by new experiences and <laughs> lockdown um, has not been um, really it, it hasn't hasn't uh, helped that but you know creativity does thrive um, in adversity in a lot of ways so I've, I've been writing and I've been talking to other songwriters who I've I've wound up co-writing with which has been great um, and being forced to use technology in a way that I haven't before has meant that I have kind of approached creating in, in new ways, which has been fun. Um, I suppose I'm looking to other areas of creativity at the moment as well. So, like, I've, I've always been somewhat reticent to call myself a songwriter because it feels a little bit... Not that I'm not... I don't consider myself a songwriter, but I, I wouldn't... Um, call myself solely a songwriter let's say I, I like to make things I'm a stuff maker so um, I'm looking at new ways I can express the stories I want to tell so whether that's working with screenwriters or it's working with visual artists or it's collaborating in technological interpretations of music whatever it is um, I'm I'm finding that that I have been pushed toward actually pursuing those things in a way now that I, I wouldn't have been before so that's been good, but I can understand that a lot of people are struggling to create. It's 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 a very stifling environment right now, and it's very overwhelming, and you kind of need space and time to get into that flow state to actually write and create things. And we just we don't have it. We're all just floundering <laughs> in this. When you mention space, when you mention space and time, coming home and living at home, <coughs> oftentimes can itself also be a challenge because I know certainly if one of my daughters was to come and move in here um, it would present challenges on both sides um, yeah. how has that been? Um, I mean my parents are great housemates you know um, we get on really well and we have a great relationship um, but it's you know in, in the sense that everyone who has a, a job that requires any sort of volume or quietness to, to record or work is you're going to face challenges um, everyone has their own schedule and uh, for a few months there everyone was working from home you know mm-hmm. and my dad was, was at home as well um, and mom and that was it was very especially if I was doing you know a weekly recording session for two hours on a Friday night that was a, a thing of you know everyone needs to at least be quiet in this part of the house and it's not a big house so um just the expectations, I think, and the having to learn to communicate your needs with people that, you know, you've grown up with and you don't expect to have to necessarily verbalize those kind of things to, um, and learning that kind of diplomacy mm-hmm. has 
been challenging. <laughs> but uh, I suppose a positive life lesson in a way. Um, and we've definitely talked and communicated um, a lot more in the past few months than maybe we've ever had to before. So trying to find silver linings in, in those kind of things. But yeah, we get on really well. And they're, you know, they're really obliging and very accommodating. So I've been okay. It's just difficult. <laughs> so Emma, where can people find you and tell us about the latest work? Um, the handiest thing is probably to go to my website, so emmalangfordmusic.com. And the latest work is uh, the new album coming out the 18th of September, which I'm really excited about. A handful of people have it already, and they have been raving about it, which is very encouraging. Um, and I also recently released a cassette, which people can get. I think there's maybe 10 copies of it left online. It was a bit of a <laughs> an alternative way of going about releasing music, considering so few people have tape players nowadays. But... Um, it's a nice little uh, quirky, nostalgic bit of merchandise, and it is this uh, I think six tracks on it, and it's all centered around my my single song acorns. So there's the album version of the track on the cassette. There's two beautiful, really interesting remixes of it. Um, there's a home recorded acoustic version of the track, which is quite interesting because the track is quite a big production. And then uh, the track also features a spoken word piece, so I have isolated the spoken word element of it and put that entire um, piece onto the cassette as well. So it's a nice little bit of merchandise. It's very beautiful. And, uh, yeah, so there's that. And people can, I think, CDs and vinyl are sold out for my new album now, but it'll be back on sale in September. I'm fascinated. Where do you get a a cassette produced in this day and age? There's a great company in the UK, um, what are they called, band CDs or something, very generic like that, but they're great, great customer service, great turnaround, so um, there's a couple of companies doing it now, and apparently it's super popular, Um, a lot of, I've seen a lot of the younger artists, kind of much more hip than me, releasing cassettes, and I was kind of like, oh, this is just like a a poser thing, but it's not, it's actually really nice, it's, um, people are really into it, and for the handful of people out there who do still have cassette players, they appreciate the opportunity to use them. So, and each, I mean, when you buy a cassette, it comes with a digital download as well. So right, right. Can right. Use yeah. So, so is the next step the 8-track? I guess so, yeah, yeah. real to real. Yeah, <laughs> and then real to real. Indeed. Emma Lankford, it's been a real pleasure having a chat with you. And uh, every look with the, the best wishes with the launch of the new album. And uh, it's been great catching up. And thanks a million for taking the time. Thank you.